Good morning, Cowboy Andy. Good morning, Miss Lou. Welcome to Chicago. Oh, it's cold. Uh, it's cold here. Yeah, I'll be brief. We all know what the economic climate for media corporations is out there these days. We're getting kicked in the cojones. They're podcast streaming. It's trench warfare. So our number one problem, no gigs means no revenue, which means the stockbrokers are not happy. Oh. Now, INM Group helped bail out CNM Enterprises and Cowboy Jeff and Andy in 2020 before the pandemic. These have been some lean times. It's time to show some results. By the way, where is Cowboy Jeff? Uh, I suppose he's holed up with Betty Sue. Oh, I'm not sure it was such a good idea for you to settle in the Valley of Santa Maria. Well, we just got tired of the road, the dilapidated honky-tonks. The scene just dried up since the 80s. They they just want that jangle rock. Well, can't you play some jangle rock? Well, it would be a change in style for us. Plus, Santa Maria's a banda town. Banda? Yes, banda. The sweet style based on the Mexican sones from southern Mexico. Mm. The brass of the tuba, trumpet, and trombone. Gustos, danciones, corridos, polcas. Is there a place for us here? Our brand of classic country? Uh, I think we can find the, find an audience. I, I've been already been writing. I, the, everyone talks about these trucker songs. I'm writing an oil song about an old oil well called Old Mod. Well, you guys will have to figure it out. Ever thought of getting a tuba player? Well, it's a possibility. I've been experimenting with that outlaw country funky tuba line. It's a work in progress. And you did start a podcast. Yes. Uh, are you familiar with podcasts, Miss Lou? Well, do you have any podcasts? Sponsors? Well, uh, the National Tri-Tip Association. Any revenue? No. Any gigs? Well, we have a possibility at the Solvang Tiki Hut. Hmm. I've noticed you're growing a beard. Yes, I'm, I'm showing my manliness in oh. front of the famous Elks Club hmm. of Santa Maria, the largest Elks Club of the, of the west of the Mississippi. And they have this annual beard arena. And I think if we gain the approval of the elite in Santa Maria. It's going to help. It's going to help raise our profile. And I am serious. I'm competitive. I'm juicing. And I got the carotene going. I got the vitamin A. I got the vitamin B. I got the vitamin C. And I'm doing a special yoga, which is a beard growing yoga, which is my secret weapon. Well, good luck with that. All right. See you next quarter. All right. Thank you, Laura. Hello, you've reached another episode of Cowboy Jeff and Andy. My guest today is Ezra Paco, local comedian and producer of local comedy shows here in the Santa Maria Valley. So thank you for joining us and stay tuned. with Ezra Paco, and he is a local comedian here in Santa Maria. How's it going, Ezra? Phenomenal. Couldn't be better. <laughs> well, uh, well, I one of the reasons we might as well give the plug up front is that uh, you are hosting a comedy night at our hotbed of entertainment here in the Santa Maria Valley, the Swiss Chalet, and that is on Saturday, April 1st. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Uh, yeah, <clears throat> be starting at uh, 10 p.m. Uh, the Swiss is a uh, grandfathered into our area as a uh, restaurant and a bar slash kind of a club, and they've uh, always been a beacon of uh, entertainment around here. They have hosted uh, bands, DJs, and more recently comedy. Um, before the pandemic, they were dabbling in comedy and, well... What whatever happened, and then after that, after the pandemic, they got racked back into comedy. Um, and there's not as many band stuff going on anymore. Well, as, you were saying, you were telling me that uh, you have uh, can you have some uh, history in music, and you were in bands, and uh, and could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I I grew up playing music. I'll, I'll abbreviate. I grew up playing music my whole life. My dad played. Uh, he played for just around the area and I was raised in it. And then, so as I got into high school, just played places here and there. And as far as it goes with the city, um, once you kind of hit a certain age, you start kind of dabbling in the areas that were to play. There were maybe three or four places to play live. This is going to be back in 2005 ish, six ish. And then since then, the music scenes really dwindled be I, I honestly can't pinpoint one reason why, but we'll we'll probably get into why that possibly has happened. But I played in multiple bands. There was um, typically rock and reggae or the most common types of bands around here. There are some punk shows. The younger uh, groups tend to uh, kind of favor that more. Um, and there's still some of those here and there at like, uh, skate shops and stuff in town, but I, I like to feel that I've been part of the musical grain here up until it just kind of quit happening. Um, but I played in multiple bands, and it, it, it was in high school. There was band, we people had bands. Yeah, no, you said that was the early two thousands. Yeah, roughly, yeah. and there is a scene. What I hear of, I mean. My dad didn't play around the city. He had to go out of like at least San Inez or other places. What kind of music did he play? He played country rock. Oh wow! Now he played cover tunes. He was in. He's but he did play in town. Also, he played the Moose Lodge, the Elks, the Eagles, all the lodges. He would play these gigs where what I'll say DJs ever placed bands with. Back then, you hired a band and he'd play old cover tunes, old everywhere from like a some classic rock to old country, Hank Williams stuff, CCR and just a, a, across the board. And he'd get paid pretty well for doing these gigs with band. With yes. Bands. With bands. He uh, had a, a solid set of people that they used to be called Hickory Creek. And they also played under the name Mavericks, which is ironic because there's an actual band come to find out later. There was another Mavericks, right, but yeah, yeah. before the internet, you couldn't scour and, uh-huh. Is our name taken? Well, apparently it was, but he 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 raised me in music. Um, um, well, I don't tell this story a ton, but my dad actually met and played with Chuck Berry one time. Oh my god! Uh, when Chuck Berry was doing his time at the Lompoc Penitentiary for tax evasion. Wow. Um, they let Chuck Berry work some time off, but they said you got to work with musicians we can find. And but luckily, my dad worked at Vandenberg Air Force Base. They had a whole array of musicians to choose from. Everybody knew my dad played. They're all called Paco. He can play guitar. And um, my dad played rhythm guitar with 
Chuck Berry on a stage they had set up at the prison at a show they did. What's funny is my dad's a woodcrafter. He built, he hand built a Telecaster. Took him five to six months to build. In he had it in time to play for the show. Chuck Berry offered him money for this guitar, and my dad said no. And I still have that guitar to this day. Wow. <laughs> well, I saw Chuck Berry uh, at the Santa Maria Fairgrounds, and it was in the eighties. And I was happy to see him. He he was really known for just picking up a band. So he never traveled with his own band. So it was a little bit thrown together. Really? Uh, but he didn't want to pay. And he was he was uh, quite a conservative uh, you know, guy in, in show business. And so he never wanted to pay for a band. And I think that... he's really suffered. I think his music, his show suffered because he's... he's he would just tell you know, a house band, hey, learn my greatest hits and let's go. And... So that was a Santa Maria experience. That makes me wonder if that might have been where my dad played, because I never was oh. actually told where the show happened. Oh, I just wow. know he was in the penitentiary. My dad, what? My dad worked, worked at the base, but uh. Chuck Berry was doing time. Huh. And I wonder if that was the show, because you said 80s. Well, I don't know if he was in. I, who I don't knows? Think he was in, well, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to sit and Google it, but now I'm wondering. <laughs> I, I knew he did time, but I just. And the tax evasion thing is funny because he didn't want to pay taxes, didn't want to pay a band. <laughs> That's so, funny. Uh, were you born? Were you born in this area? Raised? Born, born and raised at um, uh, Valley Community Hospital, which is no longer there. Oh my god! It's gosh. on. It's on. What yeah. uh, was on Stole? That's a whole other story we can get into if we want to. Uh -huh. But Valley Community Hospital. Um, well, I was born in 1982 and born and raised and. My dad worked at the base for 25 years. Uh -huh. I grew up in an apartment just right off of right off of Boone Street, which lived was across the college. And I didn't I just moved to a couple places in town. My dad could finally afford a home and we bought one and over on the north end of town, Regency Estates. Uh, he, he passed away just a few years later from cardiomyopathy, uh -huh. which he kind of saw coming, but he did his best to prepare me very blessed to have my dad be there for me my whole life and wow. then after that high school uh <coughs> what elementary schools did you go to i went to miller isaac miller elementary school <laughs> and that that great uh, mr smee was, was a vice pres principal mr fabula i had a, uh, mrs hamada mrs gerba uh mrs kennedy but she was mrs hyde at the time uh -huh. uh, mr bigger mr warfield and mrs roy thank you to all you teachers who put up with me <laughs> were you the uh were you the class clown yeah i like i got kicked out of class the first day of sixth grade uh they made me sit outside and my mom was not surprised <laughs> well, uh, and then you went to Santa Maria High. Yeah, and yeah, I went yeah. to Fessler in Santa uh -huh. Maria. High. Yep, that's uh -huh. my, I were where I was. Um, well, my biggest claim to fame is I was the mascot at the school for two years. At Santa Maria High. Yeah, I was uh -huh. Sammy the Saint. We didn't have a mascot before that, and you know I tried wrestling. Other uh, basically, I tried wrestling, and my freshman year, I said this is too hard. And later on, someone I was at a game and said, "Hey, uh." We don't have a mascot, and they said no one knew anything about it, so I just thought it sounded fun. It ended up being something I really, really owned and had a blast with. Mm -hmm. And then it led me into, um, well, cheerleading, because first I was the mascot, but you're supposed to be anonymous, but the head was so old and dilapidated uh -huh. that oh wow, it, it was... flew off a lot. 
So everyone's like, well, everyone knows it's you now. So the next year they said, why don't we use them for cheerleading? And they put me into routines and stunts and best time. Some of the best times of my life. Wow. Did you meet women that way? Uh, it taught me, I'll be straight up. It, one, it taught me how to work with women in groups, which um, ha- has a dynamic. Uh, when it's all women together, you know, more power to women. But when you learn back then, especially high school is dramatic. The only girl I dated out of cheer, I, I didn't date any of the cheerleaders. That's what I meant to say. I did not mess with any of the cheerleaders. Being in cheer made me go pursue a girl that was far away from the cheerleaders. I found a girl that was into rock music and just a just kind of a really cool, chill girl that had nothing to do with the cheerleaders. And I kept it separate from. Uh, uh. (laughs) So, yeah, that was that's what I learned to help me learn to work in restaurants, too, because. I work in restaurants now, and there's primarily more females than males. And right, I'm a teacher, so it's the same thing. Yeah, you see the dynamic female dom- uh, dominated uh, workforce. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's it's okay. Uh, you know, it's not a knock against you. Just knows there, there's different dynamics. Yeah, no, women, uh, men, and women are different. You're married, right? Oh yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. My wife is a f- phenomenal. Uh, she, um, we, um, I've been married. Uh, oh, um, oh, I should be able to remember this. About, well, let's see, 2018, over almost five years. Uh-huh. And uh, we've been together over nine years. Uh-huh. Um, she's an absolute angel. She's born and raised here, too. Um, uh-huh. She, <clears throat> she uh, worked has worked at Walmart her whole life with her mom and real quiet girl. And I, I knew her in high school, but we didn't talk a lot. And uh-huh. ironically, years later, we <laughs> I was in a weird phase in my life where I was... I wasn't happy with women. I already had had a son by then, and I was like, I'm not going to end up with women, and I'm going to be okay being single. Uh (laughs) And once I I, – whoever's listening, I want people to hear this part. I didn't have any respect for myself or any value. And the minute I started to actually value myself as a human and respect myself and realize I was worth something without anyone telling me was when I finally came across my wife. Wow, she really helped your uh, self self esteem, self worth. You know what she did, but I had to do it for myself first. Right. And, that's, and how did you do that? How did you? Some of it was, um, you know, you start just thinking about things like, you know, if you're going to be in life, you have to think of what you're going to be living for. So you start kind of analyzing. And I'm in my early 30s at this point. I start going well. What am I good at? What do I like? And things between what am I passionate about? And having a son did help because I wanted to show him, you know, whatever you do, be 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 the best at it. Make it fun also because being having fun with your work increases morale and productivity. So I just started realizing, hey, I, I, I'm talented. I can do things. Um and everybody has talents. It's not just me. I, you just build your self-worth. And it isn't an overnight thing. Well, did it have anything to do with your dad passing? I mean, did you feel like, man, I'm out there and... and well, he know, passed in high school. Oh, okay. So he that died back in high school. But it did It did help me realize uh, one thing that was that having my, my mom around, she's still around to this oh, day. Oh. God bless her. We... um. We kind of have this we're still here type of thing. I mean, I'm not insanely religious, but my faith has increased over the last uh, 
few months, I've had some things happen recently I'll go into later that have really strengthened my faith. And I'm a big believer of purpose. And back then, uh, even then, we thought, well, hey, we're still around. We have a reason to exist. And actually, um, I at that point, before I met my wife, I had already played in bands, was able to think, hey, at least I did those things. I'm having a good time. I had people around me that cared. I just didn't have a love of my life right. as far as a person. But I was okay with it. It's almost as instantaneous as I thought. I'm okay with being single. Actually mm -hmm. reaching that uh, comfort of it was when she came into my life. Because I feel that you can't be in a relationship with somebody who doesn't respect. If you don't respect yourself, no one else is going to respect you. So once I finally brought my self-respect back to 100%, mm -hmm. and that's so important because you see a lot of relationships, I mean... We do live in a highly religiously driven city, and even though there are rules in religion that you have to do things a certain way, um, if you don't just build your respect and you marry somebody and you don't have any respect going into it, they might not respect you either. And I see, I, I grew up around divorce right and left. My parents stayed together till the end, but. They're always saying, you all these parents are single. There's not many families. Around. I can't believe how many single parents there are. And my parents would always say that. And I thought, because who knows what happened? Life happens. And respect is, a, you know, it's something I've kind of been harping on lately because I, I see it everywhere between coworkers and good close friends and family that, without respect for yourself. And that's something my dad taught me from the beginning was respect. And it means so many different things. And when it's not, it, it's more prevalent when it's not there. <laughs> well, and, and was he Latino? Oh, so he wasn't actually, uh -huh. even though my last name is Spanish based little history. <laughs> um, because I'm, I'm Filipino and Guamanian. Guamanian, yeah, wow. But you see a lot of... My, my last name is Filipino. My grandfather was Filipino. Uh -huh. My grandmother was Guamanian. Uh, I never met That's them. That's Guamanian? What is uh, From the island of Guam. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, wow. so uh, 3,000 miles east of the Philippines. Uh -huh. My grandmother and grandfather were actually... They were slaves of the Japanese in the World War. People talk about the Jews and all these right. other... But yeah. people don't, don't touch on as much as, hey, Filipinos and... Uh, islanders they they enslaved them all uh and then after after japanese enslavement and then america took over there was kind of this well <laughs> this amalgamation because between philippines and guam they're like port cities because the spanish were there first hence my last name and then once the spanish then the japanese took over then america took over now guam this uh, history class ain't going to teach you this. <laughs> um, America went into Guam, burned history books, destroyed pieces of Chamorro culture, and just decided we're going to implement our way into the island of Guam. And my dad growing up was forced to learn. I mean, he grew up learning speaking Chamorro, Guamania, the native tongue, and then learned English as a second language, but he spoke it well. When he moved here in his late teens, early 20s, and he got acclimated to California, I'll say this, he was just frustrated that uh, 
things were in Spanish and English. And um, I, I, I try to be careful where I go with this, but he was like, I had to learn English. They came and took over my island. And then I come here and I have to learn Spanish now. And I was like, no, you don't have to do that. And I even got it in a spat when I, I went to, I went back to college a few years ago and me and a teacher had a back and forth. She's like, you know, he didn't have to learn Spanish, you know, how, and I'm like, you know, you don't know how my, what happened to my father's upbringing. You know, you have a, a Caucasian teacher that tells you that. And I thought, I don't know what my dad's life was like. All I know is he was very passionate about what is going on. Like to have your history destroyed in your, in your youth on the island you grew up on to come here and see, hey, I thought I was moving over to America and it was going to be like what they, how they set up Guam to be because now it's just a port city pretty much and it's kind of flourished, but I've never been there. I just have heard what it's like. He comes here and he's like, what's going on? And I think it was just a, a bit of a shock and I myself don't have the same mind frame. I have a great love and respect for like Hispanic culture and the mix of it, the blend of it, the the good that it's brought our community and what it means here in Santa Maria. But I just think it was a shock for him because if you're not from here, you just, when you think of America, you're like, oh, you picture like leave it to beaver, white picket fences. You have an, an image and before the internet, before whatever you saw on TV is probably what you thought of America. I'm only imagining at his time, because now we have a different means of perceiving what a place may be like because of access to information. But well, uh, yeah, that generation, um, yeah, they didn't want their kids to speak English. They wanted them to or to Spanish. They wanted them to assimilate. And 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 that's and now, you know, in our modern era, we're realizing that these languages are a strength for children. But. There's a lot of people in town that grew up the way your dad did. It's like people would get hit for speaking Spanish on the playground. So it's yeah. just an interesting time. Yeah. And, and o overall, I just, I think there's a huge benefit to being multilingual, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, like Pal Gasol from the Lakers just got retired. And I was telling someone at work, uh, Oh, he, uh, he spoke like five languages or something. Him and Kobe would talk in Italian and Spanish and they, they, um, just being multi, we're, we're one of the only nations uh, where you only learn one or two languages. You go to Europe, they're doing three or four languages. And my mm -hmm. dad, he did speak, I'm, I'm Ilocano Filipino. He did speak Ilocano, but there was no one to speak it to. So my mom says, you know, your father lost it. I'm like, what do you mean? He, well, if you don't speak it, you eventually lose it. But he met other Guamanians on Vandenberg Air Force Base because for some reason there's a lot of Guamanians on the Air Force Base, <laughs> probably because you just fly in and work. But so yeah. he got to speak Guamanian and learn it. I mean, or be able to practice it. And I never learned it. I learned. I'm not fluent, but I learned Spanish growing up because my last name is Paco. Back in the '80s. Now we're going into education. <laughs> In the 80s, for me, going into early 90s, the track system was what was in play. Right. That what was it, the year-round. What did you think about that? The year-round uh, school? Oh. So, well, I'll, I'll start real quick by say, going up. My last name is Paco, of course. So, they're You're like, on D-track. 
No, B track, but close, okay. close, yeah. So B track is where okay, I'll say it. I don't care. I'll be honest. B is where they put the brown kids. They're like, oh well. My mom was like, why do you have Spanish books? And his teacher's like, oh, he speaks it oh, so well. Oh, bilingual ed. That's when yeah. I kid. They were doing bilingual ed. Yeah, and yeah. my mom's like, he's not, he's not Mexican. And I'm like, they're like, well, we don't know what to do. And the other problem was, this is gonna make me sound arrogant, but. I was really smart. The first day of school, I did my entire math book and aced the whole book. You oh, wrote wow. in your books. I did all my work. They put me in second grade half of the day each day. And they were like, we want to move him into second grade. My mom was like, I want him to be the same age with the kids in his group, which I don't know. If I well, they say now to hold the, ki- the boys back a year. And, yeah. it's, and it's weird how education has changed, but... um. The, the track, syst- uh, track system was really interesting. Everybody was always mad that you didn't get a full summer break because <laughs> we uh, knew of right. summer school from because in first grade you had summer school or summer off. All of a sudden, second grade, Mrs. Hamada's class was the first year where I was like, what do you mean I only get a few weeks off? And I didn't grasp the idea of. And then you'd have to put your stuff in the little plastic totes into the little rolly closet. And you're like, I don't know where I'll be next time. And it was like being in a military family, but you're not. You're just moving classes. And you you never got to get close to other kids your age. I mean, your your classmates in the class. Right. But typically when you're at school, if there's other class, like, uh, like if you're in fourth, any grade, there were four classes of each grade. So when I go out to play, you'd be like, oh, where's the other third graders? Where's oh, the other? Gone. Like, oh, yeah, they're gone. So I'm like, uh, what do we do? And it was weird. I mean, but I, I think it threw off a lot of uh, travel plans, things like that. And they got rid of it pretty. I think they got rid of it in, oh, yeah. going into high school. I, I was on eight. I went from, <laughs> well, my mom threw a fit. She made, she's like, I was on B track until fourth grade. She's like, I want them where they're learning English mainly. And I just went with what she said. And then egg, and then I got put on a track with like, and it was weird for me. Cause I was like, I'm used to being with Brown kids. Now I'm with all the white kids. And, but I, I, I was like in limbo because I, I didn't understand Hispanic culture as much as I do now, mm-hmm. but I also, kind of had a, like a malaise for white culture because I grew up in a mix. My mom's, my mom's German, Dutch, and Irish. My mom is as white oh as my could gosh. be. Wow. Stoltz was her last name. Uh, <laughs> my grandfather's full German. My grandmother's Dutch and Irish. And so I'm, I'm a Hawaii five O they say. I uh-huh. am. Wow. <clears throat> so growing up in that blended home, Gave me a really unique perspective, but both of my parents came from. My mom says, "Your grandparents are good Catholics. They had thirteen kids. Oh, my, wow. my mom is number four of thirteen. My dad is number one of eight. So I have a ton of aunts and uncles. A lot of them on my dad's side have passed away. The cardiomyopathy thing I touched uh, on. Uh, that is a heart uh, degeneration. Heart, yep, heart uh-huh. enlargement. Now him and his, sequentially." His brothers, one after the other, all died from similar uh, things, uh, similar afflictions. The U.S. uh, dumped toxic waste on Guam. And it got swept under the rug. And we were even called a few times by the government where my mom was like, there's apparently a settlement that's going to happen. And it never did. And we just kind of got weaseled around and... 
they were like, hey, his whole family and probably other Guamanians all got exposed to toxic waste and because it, well, all, because it's not newsworthy and it's such a small gathering of people so far away, nothing was ever done about it. And I, I don't get too political, but some things are just like, hey, that's, that's something or I go, um, is that ever going to be brought up? And we'll never find out, but it's something that I talk about openly because, you know, we're in the age of information and I like to put that out there that that's something else. We don't live in a perfect, nobody lives in a perfect country, but that's something that also you won't see in books. Well, I, uh, am interested in this, uh, the burn pits in, uh, I guess it was Iraq and Afghanistan, but they were just dumping batteries and just anything and pouring jet fuel on it and burning it. And, and then, you know, veterans are coming back, uh, with getting cancer and, and it's just like, it's all of the soldiers are disposable almost. It's like, why would you do that? Why would a responsible army just do that? You know, sacrifice people's long-term health. That's insane, and man, let that, alone civilians. Yeah, it's weird how yeah. they to to even think. I, I even before there was any research done to look at, like the industrial industrial revolution, the way smokestacks. How, how could anybody even just think for a moment that? Oh, that's going to be fine. I mean, <laughs> you see a black cloud of smoke in the air, and you know, I'm I don't. I used to not get into the global warming thing until I've seen this freakish weather we're having uh, and things. I'm like cyclone bomb. Yeah. I'm like, look at this. Like, did they not even think then that it would be? Cause everything gives off everything at this point. So we met uh, at the Libertine on the open mic. And uh, how long have you been doing stand up? I started doing stand up um, in zoom uh, during 2020 um, now the way that started, um, going my musical background from p performing in bands to being a DJ about 2018 or so is when comedy started coming to our area. Well, that's what I'm really kind of amazed yeah. because I remember for years and years, it's like there was nothing. Yep. And then I kind of missed that 2018, but that's, you think that's kind of the start of it? Yeah. I, well, the thing I remember, I'll, I'll pinpoint it to one specific moment. This guy, um, Michael Childers, I'll use his name, That it, it, Michael Childers, and he's okay with me dropping his name. He uh, was going around doing comedy up in San Jose, meeting people. Michael Childers was a bartender at Shaw's, and he said, hey, these people I've met up in San Jose want to come down here and do a show. Now, there could be another history to it, but this is what I've learned from, and because for some reason, coincidentally, from what I've recognized since eight, 2018, has blown up in our area. So he has a show at, at Shaw's and has me DJ just run the sound for the comedians. And he did it more than once, and I thought, you're bringing people down what was really weird, and I didn't know this, is he had some local comics. Said, local comics. He said, "Dude, there's guys in San Luis, Grover Beach. He's bringing these guys, uh, Bob Powers, Aiden Candelario, Nick Melizia. You probably saw some of them at the show there, Br bringing people down. And there's some others. Um, I'm kind of brain farting on who was there. It was just so overwhelming. I thought, as I'm DJing and I hear these guys, I thought, 
this is really, really cool. I feel like I'm in a, I feel like I'm in downtown Hollywood, which uh-huh. is yeah. amazing. City. Yeah. I'm not used to that. I was like, I'm like, are we going to go, uh, go to Roscoe's after? Like this, this is cool. And I got to know these guys and then just over time, uh, doing the shows and then they expanded. They were doing, went from Shaw's, went to a Sullivan's, which isn't there anymore, but on main street, Josh Snow ran it. Now he's, Turning it into a restaurant. Oh, is that what's happening with it? Where, where, uh, if you're listening, City, uh, quit. <laughs> Here's where I'll get on my soapbox. City of Santa Maria, quit jerking the guy around. Let him open his restaurant. Stop asking him for money. Is that O'Sullivan? <laughs> yeah, he can't say that because he's too nice, but I will because I think Josh Snow can do amazing things. He ran O'Sullivan's, but had dreams of turning in, turning it into a restaurant uh-huh. and he is it's just the city keeps uh-huh. on picking at him for silly oh my things gosh. We'll, we'll we'll table that one we'll come back to this the way the city is with business because we'll come back unless you want to do that now well uh not to go too off on a tangent yeah. but i i am following the city is updating the general plan and they're starting to have work you know they've been it's been an ongoing process but i used to be a city planner and i'm kind of following that issue and and the group i'm involved with corazon de pueblo is right on that main street area and that could be a real arts area well uh, but the city okay but uh but i mean um we've had situations like with the improv theater in san Luis, where it's they just make it so expensive that we can't bring art and artists in yep and well <laughs> That's good because it sounds like you come from a place where you could help me from saying something stupid or making or or myself sounding like an idiot, which I do a lot. But I have I'm very passionate about I stayed in this city. I wanted to leave in high school. I don't know why. I oh, didn't. yeah. Uh-huh. I, when I graduated, I, I didn't qualify for any schools. I, I, I kind of got too into hanging out party. And I'll admit it. My 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 past is deep in partying and like, well, I'm not cussing Zaina, but I, I dabbled in drug use. I had a very, I'm lucky to be alive today. So my past is very like, well, I stayed here and did that. Yeah. But what I, what I always hoped for growing up, I said, well, we're, we're not LA and we're not Frisco. I always felt like something was going to happen here. Uh-huh. So I didn't leave. I went to Hancock and I took music classes and I, that's what happened. That's how I ended up in music and all this. And now seeing the city turn into any other city for lack of words, when I, I always, if you can't see me, you're just listening. I'm pointing my hand towards the South end of town. All the Enos Ranch, the building. Let's just let's build things that make it look like Oxnard and Salinas and Gilroy. Let's build things that make it not. Make, we look like any other city now. We used to have a rich downtown, from what I hear. Right, like back you, in the you, day, I wasn't it, here, but you, yeah, and it's all gone. I people used to tell me there'd be this. This room, this club on Main Street where punk bands played. Someone you said Green Day played. Yeah, here. someone said Green Day played here. Do you once. know any other of those bands that played um, there? I, someone said like Offspring. A lot of like 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 notable punk bands played played here, and probably some others I imagine. But that there used to be so many. Even when I was younger, there would be underground raves, and there was a place called Java Joe's that had cool punk shows at it. I remember someone saying, someone broke the broke the toilet at Java Joe's, and everyone was talking about it the next weekend. And 
Yeah, it was over there by Fallas. Well, I say Mervins, but Fallas back in that area. There's yeah, a- no, uh, no, I went to those punk shows. Yeah, yeah, it was right where that city, yeah. uh, the city offices were there. Yeah, yeah, no, I was, I was going to some of those shows. That's when I first moved up. Yeah, here. like they, yeah. we had things, like things, <laughs> and it, it's all gone and. I, there's varying opinions as to why it's gone, and some say that it's because the city has shifted ethnically a certain direction. I don't fully buy into that because I'll be straight up. I've met like a like um <clears throat> my sec my second big band I was in. I used to be in this band, the Barter System. We played funk rock and did fun like fun stuff. But this next band I was in. Uh, Revenge I Seek, or How My Son Happened, we used to play with these rock and espanol bands, and there's a huge movement of that, and it continues to grow strong. There was, we used to play these guys, Simulacro, and all these other, like, underground bands that they came through here, and I was like, you can't blame ethnicity on that, because these are Mexicans supporting rock music, and they rock just as hard as anybody else, so let's not ethnically blame anybody. That's where I start where I don't, this is where my mind goes into, I don't know the answer is, is the city just asking for so much money from places that they can't thrive and stay open? I honestly don't know because people want to run these places. They want to have a scene. I, I honestly don't know why uh, some of it's died. Well, I know that the, um, Right by the city hall, they had that venue that was doing live music. Um, but they were having, there was, they were doing banda over there, and there yep. was fights and and shootings, and and I think that the city is just really um, concerned. Yeah, about that. and 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 that's 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 really a bummer because it does it does affect. I I I have this, I it's not really a quote, but it's a, it's an idea kind of snarky of me to say but i'll say it because i am a comic i said you know if we're gonna have um <coughs> if we're gonna have what i call big city problems like shootings and things like that then i want big city fun because right. those things happen in downtown la like metropolitan areas but along with those acts of violence there's also clubs places to go so um, <laughs> well how can we have all the violence but not all the art around it well, so you're putting on the show is kind of trying to bring this art to Santa Maria. Yeah. And how did this come about, this uh, it, Swiss the, show? The way that the Swiss show happened was big, huge credit to Lorene, who uh, is, uh, Lorene is a, uh, a bartender and organizer who worked at Shaw's. And when Shaw's... Uh, <laughs> Have you seen the bar? Like, I'm not really happy with their remodel. Have you been over there? Yes. It's oh, all man. restaurant and no bar anymore. Uh, yeah. You know what? The um, I understand why the owners, why they want to take a certain direction. But I also would like, if it ever gets heard, the people who own Shaw's to think, maybe think, you had a really good thing going before the fire. You guys had a really cool, like, hey, uh, people at the San Marie Inn don't want to go to the tap room. What else is near? 
right across the street was Shaw's. You had a DJ Pony would be there all the oh, time. Oh, I, I, I mean, went to that karaoke one time. Yeah, yeah. they had a good thing going, and uh-huh. I don't know why they, because they were still able to use that area for seating. So I'm thinking, did you get that many more tables out of it? Were you? Because when we had shows, we would pack that place. Oh my gosh! I mean, wow. between rock shows, DJing, or comedy. I mean, and so that happened because Lorraine went from Shaw's to Swiss and she brought her her um, ability to just get these things going and have worked hand in hand with her for over a decade. And she uh, said, hey, remember the, the shows at Shaw's? I can do one at the Swiss. Let's do some comedy there. And after the pandemic... We like, hey, here's a spot. And then actually they had a fire too. Right. But <laughs> kind of funny is before during their remodel, we were able to do the shows at 8 p.m. And it was nice because we could run it all all for hours. But now that the restaurant's back in full form over at Shaw's, which was just packed. I was just there. Um, they... Um, now we have to do the shows later, about 10 p.m. But it's good in a way because San Luis's shows run earlier. So I, oh, I, wow. I like this aspect. Um, you hear about, I, I listen as I've gotten to know the comics that are from bigger cities. You want to hit multiple shows and the, they'll carpool. Oh, wow. Yeah, like uh, this guy, uh, Pete Munoz. God bless you, Pete. Thank you for all you ever did for me. Uh, Pete, and he'd get people together, he'd cram into a car. Hit a note, hit a mic. Cool, we're done. Where's another one? And they go, go. We don't have a ton of clubs, but at least people can do San Luis shows. Come down here, do mine. Mine's a later show, which is going to happen. A Dave Ufelder and Kelsey Ray, who are headlining the show next Saturday, they are going to, this. that will be their second show of the night. Maybe third, but they're going to do San Luis and then come down and do my show because they're like, you're doing it later. Yeah, we can be there. Um, so we're doing it that way. And it's, um, I will say this too. I think there's such a big desire comedy, not only being a local good thing right now, but I think comedy is the last few years has really garnered the respect it has always deserved as an art form. And I'll say that. Why do you think that? Um, you're starting to see comedians get treated with a little more, um, respect and not that they didn't before, but you pretty much had to be huge. I, there was a huge, you'll notice this huge gap in comedy. Cause everybody goes, Oh, Richard Pryor, Robin, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, George Carlin, uh, uh, Eddie Murphy, they'll hit on those. And then in the nineties comedy was something that was slightly lampooned. They'd be like, you know, Jerry Seinfeld's almost a microcosm of that. Like I know people love and respect Jerry Seinfeld, but they're like, Hey, like you know, the the hey, what you, what's, a, what's the deal with toothpaste? Yeah, what's what's the deal with airline? Like, it kind of became this like, okay, we'll knock them down a peg. But now that comedians are the only people getting away with saying what really needs to be said, because we live in cancel culture, comedians are the people hitting it head on more than anybody. They're like, I don't care anymore because we're tired of cancel culture. Um, comedians are heading that up, and with a blend of uh, like Netflix spotlighting various array array of comics, 
the way that music was 10, 15 years ago, almost 20, where you'd be like, I want to hear these bands before they blow up. I, I Back in my day, they used to do, now it's cool to get to hear a comic who might be up and coming or might be, hey, uh, th this is, I remember when I saw him here at a small place. So you start to pay attention to who might be next because you now know there's ways for comedians to progress, level up uh, between uh, the era of podcasting where they're able to show multiple facets of their thinking, their ability to create and being in this area. Um, it's something that we can do here, especially in like Santa Maria specifically that you're probably not going to go start a bunch of riffraff like you would if there's a band or a DJ. I, I knock on knock on wood. I hope there's not a fight at a comedy show. Right. I've only had one person. Just heckling. Get, yeah. yeah, I had one lady get kicked out in over a year. So that's it. She was heckling a comic and during a joke. It was. <laughs> How many shows have you done uh, in the last year? Or? Um, I want to say about 14 months i i want to say 10 uh, maybe one a um, month kind of thing yeah and also there's another um i can name drop him cuz he's he's a pillar too um fernando rodriguez he ran a show he he helped give me my first in front of people experience during the pandemic cuz now no one's going to go bust him for it he ran a renegade show in his backyard, which he ran phenomenally. This was cooler than some of the any shows I've seen organized. He ran it in his backyard, had some comics come from out of the area, had the PA, had made a little mini bar. And I, I went there and I, I had to house go. House shows. Yeah, yeah, a genuine house show. And he... Uh, when I got, I had to go meet up with, I had a gift for one of the comics for, for Pete. And he was, I was like, Hey, there, are they really doing an open mic? And he's like, do it. And I had been, I had been writing for me personally, um, podcasting and YouTubing has been my, after music all failed, quote unquote music. Uh, YouTube was going to be something I wanted to do, which I still do. It's just a lot of work and podcasting. I started writing uh, topics down, things. What would be cool to talk about in a podcast? And I tried it with my buddy George for a while. And then I started seeing some of these are kind of looking more like a punchline-driven thing. And I just started making notes and notes and notes. That open mic, I just took what I felt was the best notes. And I already knew how to talk to people from being in bands. I'm not afraid to be in front of people. A lot of people say, oh, people don't want to talk in front of you. I'm more in comfortable in front of people than I am sitting alone in the room by myself. Wow. Do you I, feel like you're, you own the stage and this is a part of you that you just want to put out there? Or? I always have. My father raised me, said, if people come out of the way to see you, give them a show, make it worth their effort to see you. Because people could go anywhere for any means of entertainment, and if they're in front of you for that entertainment, make it count. You know, don't be don't be a jerk about it, but give them, make them glad that they came and watched you. And I've always been that way. And when I, when I get in front of people, I I just naturally get excited. I mean, there's an energy, and even in Zoom, I was able to. 
even on them little squares of heads, I'd hey, hey I just get excited. And Zoom comedy shows. Zoom wow. comedy was really weird because mm-hmm. I I was told something during Zoom that I have taken and ran with, and they said because Zoom was hard. He's uh, yeah. the, one of the comedians in there said doing a year of zoom is like doing over two years of doing road comedy shows because it's so much harder in zoom. There would maybe be one or two, three people who were there to see you or not see you who were there to watch comedy. Everyone else is just other comics who are just working on their stuff. And the thing with zoom was that, because it was a double-edged sword. It was very distracting. There's things going on on someone's screen. There was, but I mean, it was like that with all Zoom, with school, with everything. It was, it changed a culture. But I, I used to bring people to sit in my room with me. So I had like a crowd. They'd be like, he's got people. But what was fun about audience. exactly well, like, like where you're sitting, what I would do is, well, for Zoom, I'm in my room. I'm like, well, I can do what I want here. That's when I started. Uh, and you haven't seen it yet, but you will at the show Saturday. I I brought up my guitar and I'd play myself in. And so that's how I developed doing that. I was like, well, my guitar's here. What am I? Might as well. I love playing. So I had fun with it or I'd take something in the room, kind of have fun props. with it. Yeah, props. And so it was fun to do that. But at the same time, the it was impersonal. Because again, you're not really with them. You can't feel energy and and connectivity. There's all these things. But the one thing that Zoom really did that was amazing, and uh, any comics hearing this would probably be like, "What does he know? He only did a year." But the thing is that you met people. It connected. Uh-huh. I wouldn't have met people in uh, New York, Jersey, Texas, uh, Chicago, Toronto. Like I did zoom with people uh, like this guy, Ralph Anthony, who's back East. He's, he's got a special now on, I think on Apple or Amazon calls it 40 for 40, like people who of all levels were on there. I mean, you weren't going to get like Bill Burr on there or nothing, but comics who thanks to sharpening their tools in zoom, these guys, some of them have things they've legitimately took and ran with. And I'm like, I did a zoom with them. I could literally message some of them and go, hey, like, good good stuff, Ralph. I saw you. And that's, that is irreplaceable to the connections. Because so you basically, instead of having to drive hundreds of miles, and you got to just connect. And and we would hang out afterward, after a mic. We would, well, it was the pandemic. What are we going to do? So we'd just, hey, what are you doing? And just kind of goof around and talk in these rooms. Uh-huh. Yeah. The it, it's it was nice. It brought out creativity in people. Yeah. For everybody, it hurt. It also strengthened people. And Zoom helped me with the comedy, which as soon as we popped out of the pandemic, Lorreen was like, "Hey, we're doing shows," and I got to go. And then since I got to physically go out, I was like, "Oh crap, where's our shows?" Libertine. I started just looking online. Someone's like, "Go check out this mic and." I, I went my my first time doing stand up in Libertine is on YouTube and I had such a great time with it. I was like Oh wow a kid in a candy store. I was like, people and I was like uh-huh. what everything I knew how to do, I tried to do it once. I was like beatboxing. I didn't I couldn't contain myself. Uh-huh. Wow. 
even to where they're like, oh, you're way too hyper. I'm like, do you know how long it's been since I've been in front of people? And I didn't know that existed. And now that I've cultivated those relationships and thank the Lord that they're willing to do my show and I'll get on theirs. And, and Santa Maria has our shows that I do mine. There is a little bit of a split. Um, cause Fernando, I'd mentioned him because he is friends with me and has helped in little pieces with my show, but he's also friends with another comic. This is where I won't drop names. Mm. There's another show in town at a place called Cubanissimo. Mm. That show's ran by, a, I'm going to say a different entity. It's ran by an individual who has made sure he's been able to get on other people's shows but maybe uh, the favor hasn't quite been returned and he's made it a point to bring out of town comics that again, I'll say this, the term double-edged sword. You hear me say that a lot is that yes, it's nice to have out of towners come here because you want people from out of town to know that they're here. And I've done that too, but you also want people to know there's a scene here too. It, you got to blend it. There's got to be out of towners and there's got to be people here because there, we have our, we have our own foundation and it has to be strong. We have to show that we are together and we support each other. And if we're not, if, if, if three venue, cause the garden did a show recently, the uh, garden, the oh, Mediterranean yeah, was, restaurant. Uh -huh. So if we're only three venues into this and we're only a couple years into Santa Maria comedy and there's already a divide between us, we're in bad news. We need to like band together. The little bit we have, it's like trying to like build a Lego house and you're like, dude, like I want that brick. And like, no, let's just put all our bricks together and build one strong house. Like the improv in the comedy store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And uh, I'm like, we have to build each other up, which I'll, I'll segue that into what I think may have been part of a downfall of some of the entertainment here has been for everybody who says they support, there's somebody else, uh, I, in, in our terms, the, the haters, there's already the haters. It's like, you have to support each other. Even if it makes us sound like hippies or goody goody, it's like, we don't have enough on our own to each stand. We all have to support each other. And, we live in, I mean, everybody says, oh, I'm going to go to this. They don't go, I don't go to that. And we know that Riff Raff makes people not want to go to, uh, <laughs> like that Ice Cube concert that happened in town. What happened with that? It was amazing. It was huge. They didn't have any problems that you wouldn't have anywhere else. Just drunk people being kind of foolish for as many people as went to that. Shout out to pa Pablo Ramos. You did an amazing thing there. Everybody was like, oh, it's going to have problems. And it didn't. He busted his hump to make that show happen and put put up. Uh, cap capital was put up to make that show happen. Uh -huh. And everybody who didn't go missed out because I my wife and I left and we said, do you feel like you're out of town? Like we just saw one of the one of the pioneers of West Coast rap perform along with a whole slew of others. We had an amazing time at. A venue that was cool. Everything was just cool. Wow. We're like, hey, this can happen. And I, even even like people out of town that were talking to me saying, oh, 
uh, it's going to be whack. It's going to, I was like, you know what? We have to change that perspective. I mean, you can't, it's such a one bad apple, whole damn bunch type scenario. And it was done really well. But I did talk to the, uh, the promoter after and, we, we even drew people. People came from Bakersfield. People came from oh, two, wow. three, four hours away wow. to go to that show. So that was a, that was one of those like, hey, Santa Maria is uh, – and Ice Cube had a great time. I over, They said that he uh, he didn't short up. He went over his time. He had a blast. He legitimately – all the rappers, they were like, hey, that was a cool thing. And so there's potential. There really is. And I want everyone to realize that. And Well, I think, too, that kind of one of the reasons I started this podcast and also I'm working on my own guitar duo here is that this is a huge population, 100,000 people, more than bigger than Santa Barbara. And we just don't have that arts infrastructure. And I just think there's kind of a kind of a hidden demand. I think people want it, but, but it's a lot to get people out of their houses these days. I mean, there are, people are wanting to do it and live in the real world and, and yeah. what a revenge, you know, revenge attendance at uh, comedy shows. And hopefully that will continue to build that there's, I think that if there's like an infrastructure and a scene, just like we're seeing in San Louis, it's like more people will say, Hey, there's a comedy thing going on and let's come out and show it because a lot of, it's hard to get people out. Yeah, it really yeah. is. Uh, something as simple as, I think one of the reasons is, and this is just what I call mathematics, that it's a it's a town people do raise their kids in. And some of it is as simple as, hey, a lot of people have a lot of family, a, a large family size, or just enough to where it is kind of just hard to get out. Uh, and that, yeah. that alone, I mean... I my graduating class had one of the highest teen pregnancy rates coming yeah. coming out of Santa Maria uh, was really known for the one of the highest teen pregnancy rates in the state. I literally cracked a jo- I had served a table today and I was I said, "Well, I, I made a joke about um in home ec that you had to learn how to take care of a kid and they were saying, "Well, your home ec class did that." I was like, "Yeah, because this is Santa Maria, like you need to learn at a young age to take care of a kid." I said, I can make that joke because my high school, we lost our cafeteria and our locker room so they could build a daycare center onto the campus. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. And that was, uh, from, well, I graduated 96. I graduated right in 2000, so I was there in 96, 2000. Uh-huh. By then, everyone was like, oh, yeah, there's the daycare center. And I was like, daycare center? Like I'm like, where's the cafeteria? Uh, you just find somewhere to sit. Where's the locker room? Uh, you're just going to carry your books. I was like, what, that for all that? And... So, and what's funny is everybody who had their kids now are old enough to where, hey, bring them. They're 21. Bring your kids that you had in high school. They're old enough. And um, that's one of the reasons. And I think another reason is there is, the like you said, the, the shootings and the, and it's not rampant. It's not. Right. I think it, it's the media can really over exaggerate. Because there, there's shootings everywhere you can't just say that's here that's not fair i'll be straight up i mean well shoot look how i'm a huge pantera fan dimebag daryl he got killed at a show in texas and just uh when when back when pantera broke up uh, who knew that shooting was gonna happen there you never know 
where anything can happen anywhere. And I mean, I, I know that there's a stigma here, but you, you kind of can tell when there's going to be riffraff and at least with the comedy thing, there's a lid kind of on it. And because it's instead of constant sound, like music, it's actually uh, quiet enough that there is a little bit of, Hey, we can see what's going on or we're not being crazy rowdy. Maybe people yelling out, but a comedy crowd's much different than people there for DJs. And so I, I, I really have a hope for that still, no, no matter what. And that's kind of one thing I'm glad that so many people want to be on this show for this one. And there could be more. And I, I also try to think not just Santa Maria. I try to, in my mind, imagine L.A. is, it takes an hour to get anywhere, everywhere all the time in L.A. If we were in a bigger city, I said, let's pretend that this is L.A. Let's pretend that from... San Inez to Paso Robles, roughly an hour, 15, hour, 20, hour, 30 drive, that span. Now, in that chunk of driving, which an hour to some, not that much driving, really, Paso Robles has the poor house. Atascadero has Rack and Tour. Then there's more and more. So Central Coast as a whole is even just Northern Central Coast. You want to just say Northern Santa Barbara County to Slope County. There's a lot. If you're in a slow comedy uh, cluster, if you have Facebook, check out Slow Comedy Cluster. Even if you're not a comedian, you should check it out because they will show they're very good about here's what's tonight. Like, I think there's something tonight at Cal Poly every night except for Sunday, but there's usually comedy every night. Yeah, uh, I'm just surprised on the open mics. There's in slow, there was Monday, Tuesday. Thursday, yes, there's uh, yeah, Saints, Paso is Saints, up in yep, and, uh, Saints Barrel, Libertine, uh, 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 the uh, Cider, Cider House, yep, and then up in and then uh, up in Paso Robles on Wednesday night at mm-hmm. the Poor House, and even uh, I guess uh, this place called Fuego in Grover Beach. Right, I heard about on that Thursday. on Thursday. Yeah, have and you been they, to that one? I haven't. Um, and it's kind of interesting. I just uh, 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 Trey Charles, one of my comics for the show. Shout out Trey. Uh, he, uh, he said that the, the, the multimedia shows or we referred to it as that where you can do music, they're a little bit more free with their time. Meaning like you won't just like for open mic comedy, five minutes, light you five minutes, light you, but you can get 15 minutes, do a performance, a mini performance. You can do a lot with 15 minutes. I mean, and he said, if you want to work a bit out, it's nice if you're, because the, the musicians don't run as tight of a ship, mainly because they want to let the music play out. Comedy is like, look, if you're dying, like five minutes, make it count, yeah, you know? Three. Yeah, three, three, yeah. yeah. You've probably seen a night where they have yeah. like 25 comics at Libertine. It's like, three, go, three, go. Like, that's not even enough time to like fart. <laughs> right, yeah. Like, I'm going to do that. But, you know, it's one joke. Hey, good night. Like, so... I, I like that there's that variation. There used to be an open mic at Rancho Napomo where it was just bands. It was just performing. Uh, yeah. Um, and they'd have a band that was just ongoing. You could just bring an instrument and they let you get on stage. What did stage. they call that? The Miracle? It was called the uh, uh, Miracle Band or something like that where you could come up on stage and perform with them. 
Yeah, these guys yeah. were what they they had like kind of a skeleton of people who were always there, yeah. and you could tell. I, I and I I went to one of them, and oh, one of the funnest times of my life actually. I I kind of could jam with them a little because there were too many guitarists, and then then all of a sudden they um they wanted to do a CCR. I was like, oh, I love CCR. It's my all time favorite band, mm-hmm. and I was like, they're like, does anyone know the words of Fortunate Son? I'm like. My turn, and then I the, I played Fortunate Son with them, and I my dad used to do medleys, so I I said keep it going, and let's write it on G chord, and then I ran into dance to the and I had fun with these guys, and that was a one time thing, and I'm like that can happen all the time. I mean, the wineries provide now. That's a whole other thing. Is wineries is a nice source of untapped. Uh, Costa de Oro has little performances here and there. The wineries, whoever's listening, if you own a winery, you should hit up some of us comics. Let us do some stuff there. I mean, they're perfect size, perfect crowds. Like, they're so untapped. I, I'm Now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, I'm thinking, hey, when I get out of here, go make notes of some places to solicit. Because <laughs> over summer, there's people are going to, I mean... People are going to want entertained. It's almost expected in businesses now after the pandemic. Like, you got to have music. Yeah. For these wineries. I mean, now it's like a regular thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, oh, they, I, I'm totally, uh, I keep using the term brain fart, but on Avila, there was a venue that, um, oh, I wish I could remember the name of the place. They used to do open mics. Uh, now they don't anymore because we were got we got really loud and people on the beach could hear it. But they do music in the daytime. They're right around the corner from uh, Mr. Ricks, uh, next to Mr. Uh-huh. Ricks. Yeah, yeah, and they would do really really cool shows. Um, and they they basically the owner got tired of uh, having so much riff raff there, but. I think they should redo it. I shouldn't be that guy, but the only reason I'm on my phone is I, I can't sleep until I think of the name of the place. It was called... Oh. Next to Bloom and Pierfront. Pierfront Wine and Brew. Oh, wow. They, they would... Because uh, it was known you would go... It, when, when comedy first opened back up, they'd be like... Libertine, Libertine Tuesday, Pure Front Wednesday. It was a one-two, one-two punch. We'd be like, you going to be there tomorrow? Yep. And you see the same comics. And we'd even go to In-N-Out Burger after and have a burger after a Pure Front show. It's so beautiful. That oh, was Avalon? fun about it. Because mm. you would, it something about seeing the sunshine. And it's because above they had places people paid to stay up top. And it got loud and. But I hope they start doing stuff again. But if not, I mean, they have Libertine there. Libertine, uh, they have been so cool about letting David run the shows. And the the support, I, I want it to be known that it is so, so much love, so much for that. Like, I, if the comics aren't letting it be known, and hopefully we really love and appreciate it. Because, I mean, this is really cool to do, like. There's so many good comics around here, and there are everywhere, but having our own scene is cool. It is, and to, I think on this Saturday, uh, 
is the Comedy House. Uh, that's the Libertine over by the golf course at near Cuesta. Mm-hmm. So they usually do a couple of comics there, and then uh, improv. Sometimes they do improv, but and then they play house music, and but that's another show. And I know David does shows. At other places, he I think he does shows over there as well. Yeah, as a side note, I'll throw out one more shameless plug: is the show that we're doing is a send off for David because he's moving to L.A. What David from the Liberty? Mm-hmm. What? But he's still gonna do the Wednesday show, and Libertine's not going away. It's gonna be four people, not at once, but we're gonna take or they are gonna take turns hosting the open mic so it won't just be david running it it'll be uh, fabian acuna kelsey ray um i can't think of who else but i'm kind of trying to weasel my way into being one of the ones that gets to host it because i have a pa system and so libertine's gonna keep going tuesday okay but wednesday david's still gonna come up from la and do those shows because he and where is where are those uh, Paso? uh, the Libertine also. So Libertine will do two days in a row. They do the open mic Tuesday and then they do Wednesday every other Wednesday. And I don't know if he's going to spread it out to just a Wednesday a month or they just had a show, um, well, two days ago on the 20, on the 22nd, they had a show. So they, uh, he did it and that's going to keep going. Um, that's the big thing is whoever hosts whatever, all these shows, they got to keep going because people, especially here, that's why um, I want to do this more frequently. My show is that people don't seem to go to the first thing. They want to see that it lasts. I don't know why we're like that as creatures. You would think pe- people go to grand openings of like Popeye's and people go to all the grand openings of stores. Why don't you want to go to the first show somewhere and see something cool? Why do you want to let us work out the rough patches? Come, come see us fumble through the first show. And But I've been doing my show over a year at Swiss, and I'm, I I stand by it. I, I love what I get to do. I'm very blessed. Lorene's awesome. The owners are great. Um, I, I Every comic I've had, I've absolutely loved and adored. And I get to host it like a late-night show. My, my show... Has a little bit of music, a little bit of. You gonna dress up, wear a tie? I yeah, I should, but I have a certain look that already. Uh, Your look. I I thought of some crazy things to do for this show, but I don't know if I'm gonna pull them off. Like I, I had this stupid idea of doing that that pocky one chip challenge thing, the spicy chip, and then doing a trying to do a bit while it's burning in my mouth because there's it's a funny youtube thing some comics have done that and you'll see them go up and they're like oh this is a boy this is pretty hot and like they don't even get to like finish their bit or they just like give me water it turns into that bit and that's it's already shameless that i play guitar i don't need another bit (laughs) you don't need another yeah i i write um what do you write? What kind of? How would you characterize your comedy? Um, it's a it's a blend of um, I don't want to say observational because it's not like uh, uh, Seinfeld's because I I cuss I let it fly, yeah, even though I'm have a new appreciation for the Lord above I'm still working on that bit of myself, 
but I do a bit of venting. It's my therapy. I, I vent, but I also, I, I like to use pop culture references, refer to music. I also like to tell stories, uh, things that have, that have happened to me in my life that are just part of uh, my life growing up and just how it happened. I mean, my, my wife's on oxygen. I've brought that into the bit. Um, I'm being fired from multiple jobs. I, uh, I was a DJ at a certain club in town that uh, the uh, churches may or may not approve of being around, even though it's been around for over 20 years now. I DJed at that club. We'll call it the Peppermint Hippo for to disguise the name of it. But I have stories from there, and those make it onto the stage. And I, I also like to riff with the crowd a little bit, but um, I think that I'm so hyper on stage that I don't leave room for heckling because I'm just so into what's going on. And I also... Because um, if, you, if you're only listening, like my skin isn't fully white, it's not fully brown, it's hard to tell what I am because you can tell I'm more than just, you could you can't tell what I am. My name is Paco, but I'm Filipino. I, I have, so because my look is kind of ambiguous, I can make jokes about different races of people and I have fun with that and it, it's a, probably a blend of, um, I would say observational with life experience stories and a little bit of venting, a little bit of pop culture. And that's where my comedy lies because it's, th it is therapy for me. I, um, one thing that my, my wife really has been supportive of. I absolutely adore her with all my heart and soul is that she's like, you write new stuff every time. Cause we've, when you go to these shows a lot, and this is no knock on any of them. I don't want anyone to take offense to this. Um, you hear a lot of the same stuff. But you are refining it, having a good joke or bitch. And I have some that I go to that you, uh, like a good song a band does, you're going to go to it if it's going to hit. You're like, hey, uh, like Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home Alabama, they're going to play it every time because it gets the pop. But on the other hand, especially from Zoom, I heard so many of the same jokes every time I went on. Life happens, and every day I'm handed something where I'm like, oh, that's going to make it in. And especially as a server, talking to people all day long, like I, <laughs> I come up with something new every time. And especially, especially now more than ever, I'm kind of doing this refinement of, I used to make a lot of drug jokes and now that I'm, I'm sober over two months, I am refining how to weed that out and, but still joke about things. Cause I mean, my previous years of drug use did give me a lot of well, not inspiration. I don't want to call it that. Let's not call it drug abuse experiences. And those are still funny because I can look back and laugh because I'm here alive now to make fun of it. Because you either laugh at it or at least say laugh or cry. At least laugh about it. And now I get to tell these new jokes about trying to work with being sober. And so 
again, life stories. Life, yeah. <laughs> what do they say? Comedy is uh, 70% reality. It really, really is. Like, there's a lot of some comics that, I, like, I love Mitch Hedberg, but he, he, uh, he, he's great. He was great. He was amazing, and he never talks about really life, or he rarely, rarely did. He just one liner, one liner, and I'm like, that's genius. I think that's a own level of. I genius. wish I could. I mean, I'd love to be able to do that. It's hard. It's hard to write that those type jokes. Oh, man, and there's uh like this guy uh. I met through Zoom. I have yet to uh, on up in San Jose. This guy Ed Rubin. I only heard him on Zoom, but he one liner. I'm like, man, it feels like they're able to build a mystique almost. Like, what are you really like? Because your comedy either reveals who you are, or you create a persona that you get to hide behind. Which, like, hey, and that's hard to do. I I am. I am so scatterbrained. I couldn't do that. Uh, I would have to. I have to be who I am all the time. I've served tables and said some things where I'm like, I can't believe I just said that to this table. <laughs> you ever get in trouble at work for your mouth? I have so many times in oh, yeah. my table. My coworkers go, "How do you get away with telling them that?" Like I, I made a bad. <laughs> I had this table where I thought. And it was night shift different than day. And I went back. I said, I just made a meth joke to a table and they loved it. <laughs> and they, and nothing was, it was great. Not, no repercussions, anything. And I shouldn't be doing that, but they thought it was hilarious. And I had already built rapport with this table throughout the night. They had been drinking and why did I even do that? But it just came out. I didn't even think about it. And all my life, my mouth's got me in trouble. <laughs> So those types of things that I'm not good at, no no filter. It was hard to not cuss at all during this podcast. All right. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but Cowboy Jeff and Andy, we keep it PG-13. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even though I just made a meth joke reference. <laughs> that's the 13 part. Yeah, that's the 13 part. <laughs> well, we're going we're gonna to wrap it up. Do you, are you happy? Do you, you want to add anything? Or? Um, no, not really. You know what? This has been really, really... Uh, cool and I want to I'm interested to hear the other podcasts and to, to even think that I made it into a realm where you probably talk to serious people who dress better than me and maybe make more money than me or have like a great social standing in our city and little old me got to come here and like do a really cool podcast and try to not be distracted by all the really cool musical gear in this room right now <laughs> and I'm like oh like uh, this has been really cool like i I appreciate you having me and help me let me plug the show. And I appreciate that you have a, a fascination for this area. I a lot time is limited in life. And the fact that you even make time to acknowledge create creative forces here. That's, that's a blessing. That really is more people need to be like you where they, they care. I mean, that's you are one of very few that, care enough to go out of your way to acknowledge this and that that's really cool I well mean, i'm just starting out so uh you're number six i think so you're in the catalog now perfect perfect i'm, I'm excited i'm glad to be part of this well uh okay so that show is at 10 o'clock on april 1st at the swiss chalet and i'm here with ezra paco so uh 
I'm really happy you came today, Ezra. I'm glad you invited me. I'm really glad. I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. All right. Take care. You've reached the end of another Cowboy Jeff and Andy podcast. My special thanks to Ezra Paco. You can reach us on Instagram at Cowboy Jeff and Andy. And you can reach me at my new email, Cowboy Jeff and Andy at gmail.com. All lowercase. Sorry, Yahoo. I've given up on you. Too much spam. So now you can reach me at Gmail. So have a great week and bye-bye.